0: Welcome to the Learn Fresh Podcast. My name is Nick Monzi, CEO and co-founder of Learn Fresh, and I'm joined by my co-host Calvin Seiber, our chief mission officer, aka Coach Calvin, aka Smooth Jr., aka the game changer of education. Changing the game.
1: If you listen to any of season one, you know that on this podcast, we talk about the intersection between education and community. How does the broader community provide value to the education sector, our schools, and out-of-school time programs? And what can education do to prepare students for the broader world? Today, we're talking with one of our favorite people on the planet, our very own Colleen Serafini. She's Chief Partnership Officer here at LearnFresh and a dear friend to both of us. Colleen was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area and attended University of California, Berkeley where she played water polo and became interested in the link between sports and education through her studies in the education department. Her first position after graduation was with AmeriCorps Vista at a middle school in Berkeley, California, supporting youth as an academic coordinator. This began her career working with low income communities in Bay Area schools, where she focused on guiding the implementation of STEM curricula. Colleen joined the LearnFresh team from Bay Area Community Resources, a longtime LearnFresh implementation partner in the region. As chief program officer, she remains dedicated to providing all students a fun, engaging way to learn. Outside of her work life, Colleen can be found exploring everything in and around San Francisco, rooting for the San Francisco Giants and 49ers, the Golden State Warriors, and all UC Berkeley sports. When she is not in the Bay Area, she is either in Kauai with her family or exploring hidden gems with her husband and children in Northern California.
0: All right. So today's episode is very special because we are kicking off a series of conversations with members of the Learn Fresh team. And today we're joined by Colleen Serafini, our chief program officer, close friend of all of us on the conversation on the call. Uh, and we're going to learn a little bit about Colleen's background, her experience. Uh, her entry and pursuit of work in education and in public service, and learn a little bit about how she views our work both now and the future um, and, and how we can affect change in the education sector. So, Colleen, excited to have you here to talk a little bit about you and to learn a little bit about your, your story. Um, if you can, just start off by sharing a little bit about your own background, who you are, where you're from, you know, where you grew up, where you're working now, you know, basically, your your elevator pitch in sixty to ninety seconds. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Coach Calvin. I'm really really excited to be here. I'm thrilled to be asked to be part of this series, um, and also thrilled to be asked to be on a podcast. I, my lifelong dreams are, <laughs> you know, coming true. Um, so yes, Colleen Serafini. I'm current the chief program officer over at Learn Fresh education company, and I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in Walnut Creek, California, Uh, and I actually giggle with a lot of people that I I have really just never left the Bay Area. Um, I grew up in Walnut Creek, went to elementary school, K through 8 in Walnut Creek, went to high school, Crandallette High School in, in Concord, California, right next to Walnut Creek, uh, went to college at UC Berkeley. Quick little Go Bears plug right there. Go Bears, everyone, for any <laughs> Bears fans who may be listening. And uh, right after college, moved to San Francisco. So pretty much, like I said, stayed in that same like 17-mile radius my, my whole life. Um, after San Francisco, moved back to the Bay Area once I was uh, married and currently live here with my husband and uh, our two little babies.
0: Thinking about your early life. Uh, obviously, you know, so you, you've worked in education for a majority of your career, right? Or basically <laughs> the entirety everything. of your career, yes. right? And and, yes. and specifically in the nonprofit sector and, and, and what we would define as public service. Which experiences in your early life motivated you to pursue a career in education?
2: So, you know, I feel for for a lot of people who may be listening I would be remiss if I didn't first bring up that I first became a teacher to my thousands of stuffed animals that I had in my room <laughs> so I pretended to be an education from when I was you know a very little girl I I know a lot of a lot of people had those dreams I you know I was certainly one of them teaching to my stuffed animals and to my dolls, and I, I honestly really do have memories of me just putting on a really a really great show for them and <laughs> and teaching them math and whatever it was. And I and I bring that up honestly because that really started the basis to what I continue to believe in education is that uh, an educator holds everything to these kids to stuffed animals, to dolls, to children, and getting you excited about life. And um, I remember really well, I, you know, in a, another pivotal time, I would say, you know, is in the, the seventh grade, my school was getting evaluated, getting a big... Uh, a big audit. And they sent auditors in to make sure that the teachers were teaching the lessons appropriately and everything. And I remember my school got completely revamped. Like we had all these cool hands-on lessons to really show off everything we were doing. And I remember sitting there thinking, whoa, now this is learning. This is cool. Like, can we just do this all the time? Can we, do, you know, be hands-on and fun all the time? And and I think back to that a lot. Um so I would say um, that audit and seeing the capabilities of teachers to make learning fun uh, was probably my first, one of my first big experiences in in education.
0: Yeah. Or were there any experiences, like through your family, or just things that you observed in the community, that encouraged you to focus on a life in service?
2: Of course, yeah. So I I was really. Uh, fortunate in my growing up um i grew up in middle class upper middle class um so i had experiences that i was i was privileged um neighboring cities in the in the bay area didn't have that same that same privilege and i from a young age was very uh, that became very clear to me and so right when i got into high school and i was really able to uh I started working in those schools, um, and that was what my focus has always been. When I was allowed to do community service work, or or anything at all, that I, I have always been in schools and working with the kids um, who possibly didn't have all of the same experiences that I did.
0: For sure. So you started your work in the field at Bay Area Community Resources. Uh, can you share a little bit that that organization has been close with us at Learn Fresh for a number of years now? Um, can you just share a little bit about your experience there and how that helped kind of lay your professional foundation?
2: Yeah, of course. It actually the story of me entering BACR is kind of a funny one. Um, so when I was at UC Berkeley, I minored in education, and part of the minor um, in education program at UC Berkeley. I was to do field work, and so I was in the education office. I saw this super cool poster for the youth support program at Willard Middle School in Berkeley, California, mentoring program, and so I decided to do my field work with them. Now that program was run by BACR, and the their academic coordinator was actually hired was an AmeriCorps Vista. So BACR works with AmeriCorps, and so. I didn't know that. Uh but I was mentoring with them. Loved it. My my mentee was extremely I was very close to her. I became very close to her friends and started tutoring them as well. The need that they had at that school for just role models and extra help with their academics was huge. I became extremely attached to to the school, the staff, the kids, the youth support program. Um Marissa Raya, who was who was now Marissa Ramirez, who was um, overseeing that became, you know, was definitely my first mentor in the field. So when I was graduating from UC Berkeley, I was at Willard one day and they brought this up to me, you know, Colleen, we need a new academic coordinator next year. And being who I am, and I would actually say that I would probably do this to this day, it was like, yes, done. Let's do You know, I want to do this. Let's do it. And I was so excited. I came home, uh, called my parents, told them that, you know, I had a job already, you know, after graduation. And they kind of were like, a, you know, do you get paid? It's like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. And so let's go back to this. And so anyways, it, it ended up being an AmeriCorps VISTA uh, position, which actually very much aligns with how I have felt since I was a little girl in that domestic Peace Corps is so important. Uh, International Peace Corps is incredibly important as well, but there are communities right within um, our own neighborhoods who need a lot of help. So I was more than thrilled to spend a year of service uh, through the youth support program at Willard Middle School, um, doing that position. And that really... um, skyrocketed my career within BACR because I loved it. And again, BACR <laughs> oversaw that program. And so um, they offered me a position after my year with AmeriCorps Vista over in San Rafael, California, as a site coordinator for an afterschool program at Laurel Dell Elementary. Go Lions, if any Laurel Dell <laughs> Lions are, are listening. They are very dear to my heart. So I spent over a decade with BACR.
0: Yeah, can you share a little bit briefly about your your role there and how that changed and evolved over your time with the organization?
2: Yeah. So I was young, you know, just out of a, a college, I had my year at Willard Middle School and I, I just didn't know much completely about running a program at that time. All I knew is that you we had a really big responsibility with these kids. Um their parents were trusting us to have a sp- safe space for them and I wanted to make learning fun. I remember being a kid, which I think is extremely important. I went through a a lot of uh, program design and, and trying to figure it out. I would say that the biggest moment in my career with BACR was in, I don't know the exact, I think it was around 2007, 2008. I attended a How Kids Learn conference when I was still over in San Rafael with the out of school time programs there. And, um, It was when STEM was first really introduced on a bigger scale and disguised learning. All these things that are so like obvious, right, to us now. But it was like I was sitting there in the audience and there was a neurologist talking about why kids learn the way they do. And someone came in with some with some STEM ideas. And I was like, oh, my gosh, everything we are doing is wrong. We need I need to go back to program today today and redesign everything. And and I did that. I did just that. I got permission to shut our program down for a week to redesign everything for these kids. And um and I did it. I was really proud and I became very into STEM and the capabilities of STEM and getting those worksheets out of reach of the kids. Like let's get outside and start learning and um have hands-on experiences to start learning. And so I had that with me and BACR trusted me to start managing programs at around that time. And so I was managing San Rafael and ended up moving out to San Francisco to help manage the after-school programs in San Francisco. And I really moved into the STEM space at that point, really paying attention to the national trends of what was happening in STEM. BACR has a big reach. We worked with nine, maybe more school districts, and I was really helping to bring in uh STEM programs that the kids would really respond well to and that's huge right i mean there's a lot of programs out there that are great and some that are not so great you know we all have to remember when we were kids would we have wanted to do that and i and i really held that true to my heart and um so yeah i was doing that it's what introduced me to learn fresh because mba math hoops continues to be my favorite one that I've ever come across. The BACR was just amazing. They are amazing. And they really gave me a lot of freedom to explore these interests that I had to bring to the kids.
0: Definitely. One thing I love from your story is the foray into your first role there and how you were just like, yes, we're going to do it. One of the things that's absolutely the best about you is that you always live in a place of yes. You live in a place of this can happen. This will happen. We're going to figure out how to make this happen. So that is so indicative of that part of your personality. And then uh, the fact that you, and I I know that we all take pride in this as a team. Calvin certainly has this experience as do you, but the fact that you worked as a practitioner at kind of the foundational level of education, Mm -hmm. which is directly engaging with students and then building your career up from there. So you've kind of seen all aspects of, of the, the system um, definitely makes you excellent at what you do today. Um, so I'd love to have you just talk a little bit about your decision to join LearnFresh. Um, you've, you've talked and shared a little bit about your, transition into STEM education, kind of how you discovered that as a passion point and how you use that to re, re-engage and re-immerse your students in your own program. What motivated you to commit yourself to our team at LearnFresh?
2: Yeah, the beginning of my relationship with LearnFresh kind of sounds like a novel in and of itself. So I already, you know, at this point in my career, when I was first introduced to Learn Fresh, um, I had already been given the opportunity within BACR. When there were big programs around STEM that were introduced, I was fortunate to be able to really be in the initial talks. Is this something that BACR would want to to hold on to, to blow out to all of our programs? And we were kind of a hot spot because if we liked you, you know, we, ca- we had the capability to get this into a lot of programs' hands really very quickly. So we were contacted by a lot of people. Um... And this is where the novel begins. So, just to set that groundwork, uh, our uh, the executive director over at uh, BACR, Marty Weinstein, and my director Don Blasky, uh, contacted me to let me know that Marty had met someone over at Learn Fresh on the East Coast, and they were interested in implementing NBA Math Hoops with the BACR programs with the Warriors. Would I be able to come out to the East Bay office to talk to? Khalil about this 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 man named Khalil, and um, so I was living in San Francisco at the time. It happened to be like for us Californians a very rainy, stormy day, and um, I was like, "Should I? I mean, I need to get over the Bay Bridge to go do this. Yes, I'll do it." So I bundled up, got in my car, drove over the Bay Bridge to the BACR offices over in Richmond, California. Sat down with Khalil in an office he brought out an NBA math hoops game and started talking about the creation of the game, you know, the whole rundown, right? How the kids play it. And I was like, yes, just let's just not introduce. Yes, just yes. And um, I, I love basketball. So that's not like a huge sell. Like, I mean, college basketball, March Madness is my thing. So I, I was personally hooked. Again, that theme of Looking at it through the lens of Colleen as a little girl, would I have loved this? Yes, I would have loved this. Are you kidding? I get to be my own coach, draft my own team, work with my classmates and teamwork and have fun and fun with learning. Yes, let's do this. Brought the game home, played it, you know, in my apartment. I knew I loved it. Let's get it in front of the kids. So anyways, that really just started off, like I would say, I was so excited to to introduce NBA math hoops to a lot of the BACR programs, a lot of amazing managers uh, and coordinators at that time who were really sold on it as well, including uh, Rebecca Wong, who is now part of our team as our director of programs. So I loved it. And, you know, honestly, I have never been that person who is doing, I'm not looking for the next greatest thing, right? So, like, I wasn't doing this in thoughts that Learn Fresh would have ever wanted to hire me. And truth be told, I really just was going to spend the rest of my days with BACR. I mean, probably I would be 80 years old, continuing to do work with them. They're an excellent, excellent organization. At that same point, I love MBA Math hoops. I love Learn Fresh. I loved everything that was happening. But again, not an opportunist in that way. I was just like, let's just get this to the kids. Let's. What other programs do you guys have? Let's let's blow this out. I will do this on the side. Let's get this going. So yeah, it, it was with Khalil again. I was in San Francisco. He asked me to get coffee with him because he was in town. At this point, I had already worked really closely with Nick and Khalil on building things out with the Warriors, uh, which was just so exciting. And, you know, you know, to be honest, at that time, I really did realize that that was a part of my job in particular that I really was gravitating towards. Like I, it was like, you guys have a weekend event done. Let's do it. Uh, you know, I wanted to be there. I wanted to be part of this. And, um, so yeah, at coffee with Khalil, he's like, Hey, just, he just came out and said it. I, he, we, he was like, you know, what do you want a mocha or a latte or whatever he was saying? Also, by the way, Would you ever consider working for Learn Fresh? And I got this like rush of like, oh my gosh! I hadn't even thought of that. I felt like I almost passed out. And um, because yes, you know, right? The answer was yes. Immediately in my heart, it was yes. But I needed to talk to BACR about it. Don Blasky, my one of my biggest mentors. I just felt I needed to talk to him right away. I talked to my husband and. I am lucky to be surrounded by really wonderful people who know me well and who were like, you know, Colleen, you, you got to do this.
0: And big kudos to you and BACR for handling that transition really well. We've been able to maintain such a positive relationship with the organization. You mentioned something which I really love. When you're deciding how to evaluate a program, you really try and put yourself in the lens of the child and see it as they would see it from your own life experience. I think that's something that for some people is so hard to connect with. They have a really hard time bringing themselves back 20, 30, 40 years and internalizing that feeling. And I think that's one of the things that as a team, we do really well. We all can really live in that space in a positive way and in a productive way. Another thing that struck me is just you're like, and I'll get to the intention behind this question in a second, but you were like, well, as a little girl, I could see myself playing this game and really loving it. So many times in the last couple of years, this has come up, this came up on our podcast uh, about gender equity last season, but so many times over the last couple of years, I've had folks in the field, particularly funders, ask questions around, is this just a game that boys play, right? How's the, the gender balance in your program? And... I find myself wasting so much time having to have that conversation because sport has become such a gendered part of society in certain ways. And obviously there are folks and entities working against that. I think the NBA and the WNBA have collectively done a tremendous job over the last few years, pushing that conversation forward as the WNBA becomes more popular. Obviously the national uh, soccer team has done a lot to advance that conversation athletes like Serena Williams and Simone Biles. Um, but it, persists as a a line of thinking with a good number of people that we talk to. Do you have any comment on that or do you have any perspective on how we can help to shift the thinking around the gendering of sport in society?
2: Yeah, so there's so many layers. There are so many layers to that. Uh, I get asked that question, you know, as running our program side so often, you know, working with our partners, Colleen, how is this speaking out to the girls on a very simple level, right? And so to not like philosophize with everyone that I get on the phone with Um you know, with our programs, especially with NBA Math Hoops, right? The NBA, the WNBA, we are one team. We bring up often how cool it is at the trade deadline, how many kids are trading out for those those amazing WNBA players, and um, because of their stats. And I, uh, you know, we're really bringing the WNBA to the forefront of the girls. And I and I can cite so many regional tournaments where that elite 8 final four those are all girls right and me personally implementing it seeing how many girls take to the game so so there's that level which i have to say is much more surface level when i say that there's a lot of layers to this and nick what you're saying with you referencing with me saying when i was a little girl that question alone that needs to change as well girls from all around the world many girls love sports from the beginning. And I was one of them. And I know that I am not the only one. One of my earliest memories of when I was a little girl was at Candlestick Park, screaming blue, blue for Vita Blue, who was pitching. I I am left-handed. Will Clark on the Giants. Go Giants again. Sorry. Go Bears. <laughs> have to say go Giants really quick. But I am left-handed. Will Clark, the first baseman when I was a little girl for the Giants, left-handed. I was going to be the Giants first baseman when I was older. That was another one of my dreams. And I didn't think anything of it. It's like, boys, you know, nothing. I was going to play for the Giants um, as a left-handed first base woman. And, you know, honestly, I I, I think that needs to change. Is just this thought that a sports game does not appeal to girls. It appeals to girls. Girls like sports, too. You know, similar to a lot of other things that are happening, there should be a a little bit of a change in thought on, on what girls are interested in um, before making that assumption.
1: I like how you said that, too, Colleen, because this summer I refed a, a 100-kid competition uh, at a Gatorade Michael Jordan camp, and the two girls brought home the championship. I mean, yeah. It was, (laughs) and they did it in the smoothest way. (laughs) Like they, they didn't, uh, you know, they showed the good sportsmanship. It was like, hey, we came here to win and and that's what we did. So I love the fact that our, our program, it focuses on either kid. It's not, it's not just for boys. Absolutely not. I remember when my girl, when my girl started uh, playing the game in the classroom and at first they were kind of iffy because they didn't play basketball. But when they started to understand the game, And the stats, they were (laughs) they were they were dunking on everybody after that.
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, I will say, because, you know, clearly gender equity and STEM education is huge. You need to make sure, you know, that that's when you're introducing programs, you're doing your part. Another thing of why I always loved NBA Math Hoops is that just was natural. We didn't even need to say it. Girls were falling in love with this game, the same as boys are falling in love with this game. It was There was no need for any intentional rewriting of what was happening in the curriculum, redesigning of a game board to appeal more. This game appeals to girls and boys across the country and across the world in the most natural way. And it's it's really awesome to see.
1: It is. And, and I'm a gamer and and not to throw in another game, but NBA 2K now has the WNBA teams on there as well. So you can get down on, yeah. you know, on there just like uh, the NBA. So it, it's it's starting to change, but we still need to highlight the moments and uh, and make it real.
2: Yeah, when 2K makes the NBA and the WNBA as one team, like we do with NBA math hoops, we really have something going.
1: <laughs> yeah, they gotta you're that listening.
2: To... <laughs> if you're listening, 2K, we have... In the yeah. neighborhood.
1: You right? Neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the park, yeah. you got to in the neighborhood, in the my team mode. You got to be able to have it like that because I'm getting Diana sure Tarassi do. on my squad.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, Colleen, I'm going to take over here. Uh, which accomplishment uh, are you most proud of in your time at Learn Fresh,
2: ah. um, oh, wow, you stumped me. I don't get stumped super often. I'm stumped. Um, so I would say I think that we've really, um, and this this speaks to the whole team success. I feel I I I hesitant to say I because it's just not appropriate with the way our team works. We all are intertwined and are helping each other with everything that we do. Um, I will say that I think that the program side, due to everyone's really hard work, has really expanded a lot. And so, it's a maddening thing that we have this game that is life altering. And I and I and I mean that. I know that that I it's life altering. It's a community experience. It's not a, it's not a board game. It is a community program experience that has the ability to change the trajectory of a student's life. So we have it. It's, uh, you know, free. It's a free resource for educators. We have this dynamic team of experts who is ready to be there and to train you and to make you be a part of our community. And like the thought that not every single school is using it is maddening. Um but we are getting there and we are really expanding this game out across the country. And now we can say internationally. So I know I'm not answering this right, Calvin, because this is not just something that I did, but again, like I said, I, and I mean this uh, for real. I don't think if you can ask me my, my accomplishments that there's, it would just not be appropriate because we work so closely together and the build out on the program side is something that I'm, extremely proud of.
1: I I like how you said that because when you think of a team and I call us the dream team, there is no one person, there is no I uh Learn Fresh mm-hmm. without Colleen, th- that isn't Learn Fresh. So
2: Yeah, same right back to you Coach Calvin, Nick, you too. <laughs> yeah. Obviously Nick, <laughs> our CEO. Yeah, but um yeah, agree. And so um yeah. I just, I mean, I remember my first day really, really well. I sat there, I had my office all set up. I got to bring out some bobbleheads, you know, some giants bobbleheads were on my, my desk and I just started cold emailing every person I could think of. And I would sit and wait for an email back. And I was like, so excited. Someone emailed me back and we've really evolved so much since then, you know, we get people contact us to see if we can do it. I mean, it booked and Mind you, I'm still reaching out to every person I could think of, but um, just so much has happened on the program side due to, our, to due to our whole dream team. It's been really, really exciting to be part of.
1: Absolutely. Now I'm going to cross you over right quick. What's your favorite memory
2: <laughs> to date? I mean, just oh uh, ah, uh, gosh, Calvin, what? Okay. Well, I mean, this is lots of layers. Like, what is my favorite memory of hanging out with you? What is my favorite? I mean, I guess this is probably work related. I'm assuming since <laughs> yeah, we're on the Learn Fresh podcast. Bronco- yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think I have to I have to say this one because it's the one I reference the most. This is really hard. You could keep me on here for hours. I have lots of memories. Every day is a memory here at Learn Fresh, but um, really cool memory. The 2016 national championship with the Warriors. Yeah. Is it that 2016?
1: Yep. 2016,
0: 2017 year. That was my, yeah, that was,
2: yeah. That's yeah, when you met with, me. <laughs>
0: 2017 I, was the year. That I 2017.
2: Of. I think I'm, so did I steal? I stole everything from you. So <laughs> I, here it is. But there's a memory within that weekend that I will say, I, it stands out to me. It gives me the chills. Um, the Warriors lined up Sammy, their analytics guy to talk to the kids and they're, we love that, you know, the Warriors are a great big partner of ours. And I just remember them sending over the PowerPoint of what Sammy was going to talk to our national championship kids about in regards to stats and how that relates to, to, to basketball, right? It's everything, but like talking to the kids from the analytics, their their analytics guy, And I'm looking at the PowerPoint, and I have to be honest, I was like, oh, no. I mean, we, these kids are pumped on this weekend. Like, they're going to look at this presentation and wonder what, like, I mean, obviously, this is important, but I don't know. We might lose them here. Like, and this is a big moment. This is a big moment. This is what we talk to the kids about. Like, math is basketball. So, um, boy, was I wrong. Sammy got up there, and what a natural, what a natural he is. Just talk to the kids, and they were just like on the edge of their seat, listening to why certain passes take place. Why does Steph pl- pass to Clay? Why does Steph shoot from that zone? You know, all the time. And um, it was during the the Cavs Warriors Finals at that time, and Sammy was actually sitting on the bench, and you could see him on TV with his clipboard, writing things out, and hearing the kids say like, "Oh my God, Sammy!" You know, he was on there. He was probably you know doing math and. Um I mean what? I mean I should have quit that day. That is everything. Math is basketball and um what a cool moment. I mean what what are we doing if we don't allow the kids to realize that? And so I just sitting there at that gym at the middle school in Oakland and seeing that take place in front of us was 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 really spectacular.
1: Yeah, that was. Uh and then and then for him to say you all are going to be the this this is going to be your job at some point. And this is what what you like chills. doing, and I know he just, uh, yeah, he was perfect. How he explained all of that, I, I felt like a kid, and I got the chills while you were just explaining it. Because totally,
2: I mean, duh. Sammy, if you're listening, we love you. That wasn't that was an important day, and continues to be. And um, as we are advancing, right as the NBA is doing all the different um, analytics with with the stats and everything and being able to expose the kids to that in our digital game. And so they can be really a part of that. They can be their own statisticians with their own team is, um, is very exciting.
1: Absolutely. Now my next question, uh, what is your biggest goal for the future of our work?
2: Gosh, I mean, <laughs> you guys didn't want to prep me on any of these. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like the, uh, 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 um, to get our programs into the hands of as many kids across the world as we can. What we're doing over here at Learn Fresh is huge, it's, it's big. And we have the ability to make learning fun, our mission. It's not a simple mission. If you are in education, if you know even basics about education, it is not easy to make learning fun. And we have done it. And so, um, my biggest goal is to make everyone know who Learn Fresh is. Uh, to get the get the game into uh, globally into as many hands as possible.
1: See what you did there. You answered my next question inside of that question.
2: Oh, ah, so, good. I uh, mean, yeah. Yeah. Hey, what is I, it? Tell I, me. Tell
1: it me. Was, it was a corner shot. You know, <laughs> what are you most excited about growing or improving?
2: mm see the approve the, the improving one because I already just said that we're already perfect, but we're no one is ever perfect, right? And we tell the kids that I we are learners always and it's also a really another important thing to always know is that we're all constantly learning and we're gonna make a lot of mistakes you know along the way. Um, so I already kind of answered you know what I'm looking forward to, right So what I'm looking on improving, is the means in which the kids can access all parts of our experience. So we really saw that with like COVID, post-COVID, right? And we pivoted. <laughs> I feel like I'm just saying how we are really awesome to anyone listening, but we we did. We pivoted really wonderfully. We got the digital game built out real fast, right? We were like, the kids were learning at home. Oh, you don't have a tablet? Here's a board game to play at home. So we learned a lot uh, with the COVID response, Um, but as we enter into like a global market, which we we have been already, we are needing to see exactly where to meet kids. If that's our goal, we need to have all the resources available on our side that can meet learners wherever they are, Uh, whether you have a lot of access to technology whether you live in a village and don't have access, we can't ship you a board game. We need to be able to figure out that key to meeting our our kids wherever wherever they are.
1: Absolutely. I agree. I'm
0: going to pass this one back to Nick and uh, he'll, he'll take us on out. All right. So the last thing, Colleen, just thinking about the bigger picture in education, obviously we have our lane that we focus on, which is this intersection point between STEM, sports, entertainment, student passions outside of the classroom, um, and how we're basically, you know, developing fun, engaging, meaningful learning experiences in math education, STEM education more broadly. But big picture in the sector, if there's anything that you could change about the education system in America, what would it be and why?
2: Uh, you guys, these are really big questions because that's a huge question. Clearly, um, the education system in the United States needs to be much more equal. It is unacceptable, uh, that there are certain schools still being run with such limited resources, uh, You know, clearly there are great, you know, organizations, Learn Fresh included, that get into these areas to assist with that, but that is not acceptable. Uh, We need to get more resources into all the hands. Education is the key to to everything, and so we need to make sure that these kids have access. Also, from a uh, from the viewpoint again, and I've been referencing it throughout this whole podcast. we need to make sure that these kids are faced with educators who remember, like I said, what it means to be little. Would you want to do that to learn? And if the answer is even a question, change it up. Let's get these kids the resources they need. Let's make learning fun. And uh, we'll see a lot of, of change in society if we're able to accomplish that.
0: Absolutely. And this may be self-explanatory, but how do you see us playing a role in affecting that change?
2: I mean, who could make learning more fun than learn fresh? We <laughs> um we make we make learning fun. We make STEM fun. We also um we as I also said, we're not just a game, we're an experience. You you are part of a community, the kids can feel a part of something bigger, um, which is uh, it's humongous. We're, we're, we expect all of the kids in our community to exist, succeed. They all have the ability to succeed. And um, that's, a, that's a huge thing.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you, Colleen. Appreciate you sharing your perspective and your experience with us today. And we will talk to you Today and tomorrow in <laughs> <and> the next <laughs> day. <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk in a few minutes.
2: But this was honestly thank you both um so much uh, for inviting me on today. It's it's cool to be part of this.
1: The Learn Fresh Podcast is produced by myself, Calvin Seibert, Nick Monzi and Sumner Becker with additional production assistance from Caitlin Patterson. Sumner Becker also does our engineering, editing, and music.
0: The Learn Fresh Podcast is part of the Side Audio Network, an audio community founded by Jeremiah Ote and Narunjan Kumar. The Side Audio Network hosts podcasts that aim to transfer trust between people and communities through storytelling and conversation.